0: text. We've always got text. So this morning, there'll be more than one. We're going to start in Hebrews chapter 6. It is on your screen. And here's what it says, the beginning of the chapter, sixth chapter, book of Hebrews. He writes this, therefore, having left the elementary teaching of Christ, let us move on toward maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and from faith toward God. And of instruction about washings, the laying on of hands, and the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And this we will do, if God permits. Thus says the inspired writer. I want to talk today about the word and the world. The word and the world. In English, it's just one little letter separating those two. And to do it... Just going to burrow in this text just a little bit more. Look at a few of the key words so we understand it better. So some of the key words and what we just read, especially verse one in particular, starts with the key word therefore. Therefore, we're in the middle of a continuing thought. You know, when when you when somebody steps up to teach or preach or do a Bible study, they go right to the text most of the time. I mean, unless they read a whole book, unless they take a whole, or unless they're looking at individual things like sets of Proverbs or Psalms and sort of stand alone, they're, especially if it's in the letters or in a narrative, they're jumping into the middle of a story or they're jumping into the middle of a thought, which we don't commonly do, do we? You don't I mean, you don't read people's emails that way, do you? <laughs> Scroll to like the eighth paragraph. I mean, I hope people aren't emailing you that like that. But just in case I got a lot to say. I mean, if I get a lot of, if I got a lot of emails with that many paragraphs, I might not even read them at all. But if you did read them, you probably would start at the top. Otherwise, you go to the fifth paragraph, you start reading what they're saying, you're thinking, uh, I'm not sure what this person's talking about. Because I'm jumping in the middle of a thought. But we can't always read every book every time we come to break open the word. So we, we enter into thoughts. And so how many times do we do a, a, a text comes at us and it starts with, Therefore, brothers... And every time you see that, you think, okay, I'm, I'm jumping in the middle of something. Now, biblically literate Christians over the years will get a sense of where they are in a text. It's like, you know what I mean? Like the map of a, of a book. So that for a lot of you have been in church a long time, and if, uh, and if we were to read a, a thing, maybe this or maybe some other text, you would, oughta, you would already know kind of what became, what came before it. You know, and where it goes after that, because you're just familiar enough. Like in a movie you've seen ten times, and it's and you flip it on, you're like, Oh look, they're showing that movie. But you and you know right where it is. Because you've seen it a bunch. You know what came before that scene, you know what comes after that scene. You're familiar with it. Same with some of these letters. So here we're looking at him in the middle of something with a transitional word. Therefore, so hey, I just told you a bunch of things, and in light of it, I got something else to say. There's no chapter break here. When it was originally written, he didn't say now for chapter six. You know, he didn't do that. We we added we. I mean, the church added those for reference and indexing' sake. We find stuff quicker and make reference to it. Originally, he just keeps on going. He's writing a letter. One thing leads to the next. So he's building a case for something. He's 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 laying out some some things. This is his doctrine. He's saying, okay, now I just told you a bunch of stuff. Now building on that. So we've got to go back. Now the way the old, when I was growing up, the way the old preachers always said it was, Anytime you see a therefore, you've got to ask, say it, what's, there? what's it there for? And uh, that is how a lot of preachers sounded when I was a kid. So, you know. Well, what is he saying? Let me read it to you. So so I back up the truck just a little bit to uh, end of chapter five. Here's what preceded. Here's what immediately preceded this. I don't I don't have that one. Sorry, but I'm just going to read it to you. He says at the end of chapter five. It says about this we have much to say. Worse, even that even that begs about what. See, go. You got to do. That's homework for you to do. And about this we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. Oh, thanks for that. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. And then he says, now therefore... Ah, so we see that's, that's what's going on In the letter. Huh? That's what he's been talking about. And so then he says, okay, therefore, in light of that, having left the elementary teaching, having left, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You telling me we're departing from the words of Christ? We're walking away? Of course not. Obviously not. No, we're not we're not leaving it as in, we're leaving it in the dust. We don't need it anymore. We don't care about it anymore. That was then. That was so, then, I'm on to better things. None of, none of that is implied in this. They're, they aren't better things. So what, what are they, then? He's, well, some translations say it, like the NIV says, therefore let us move beyond, move beyond the simple teachings. So you see, that, that that translation sort of captures what I think is being said here. Not, let us leave them behind. All done with those. You know, like uh, someone who says, "Yeah, I became a Christian back in 1988, which wasn't a bad year, by the way." Well, okay, so since 1988, then uh, you've never thought again about the the core elements of the God. No, I moved past that. I moved way past that. You know, we just what did we just do for the last several weeks? We it was lent and building into Easter. So, in other words, the last few weeks, we and churches all over, we spent weeks intently focused on the heart of the gospel. So, we haven't left it behind. It's not a leaving behind. It's a moving on. It's it's a, it's a moving. It's a it's a it's a going beyond. You have to think of it like this. I got an analogy for you. So imagine, imagine one of those uh, big giant wall paintings, some beautiful work of art on a giant wall, like the side of a building. And imagine there's a center point to that, to that image, that painting, whatever. Is it, there's a there's a center point, and you're standing with your nose to it. You're right here. It's right here. Now, do you know what that picture looks like? No. You're you're up you're up near it. You do see what's you do see what's in the dead center of that. And let's just say that, for the sake of the analogy, that the centerpiece, that what's in the middle of that is the most important thing. It's the thing you should know the most. It's, it's very important. So you do know it. You're looking right at it. It's right, you see it up close. Well, instead of so so instead of uh, instead of moving sideways up or down along the wall, where well, you just see other pieces. And you, and you move away from that center point. You never see it again. Instead of that, imagine you're backing away. But, you're, but your focus is still in the middle. You know what I mean? Like You you still see that middle piece. It's still, it's still right dead center of your focus. But as you back away, what you're seeing is the bigger picture. See? You're seeing how this connects to that. And, and it all ties to the middle. It all connects to the middle. But it's it's... You're, you're seeing more and more and more how the middle connects to all this until you back you can see it bigger and better. I think that okay is a is a, is a decent analogy to what he's talking about here. To move beyond the the initial things, just the first things. It literally says the literally says first word. The first things, the initial things. You still hold them close. They're still in the middle. They're still of of the utmost importance. They still matter more than anything else, right? The the heart of the gospel: death, burial, resurrection, the hope of your salvation. That's that's. You're not moving past it, but you're seeing over the years how that ties in, how that makes a difference in, how that influences all the other things in in the world that you experience. Everything else ties to it. It influences everything. it, it colors everything. It, it's got a connection point to everything. But you don't know that at first, do you? A new Christian doesn't know all that. Not expected to know all that. But 30 years later? Well, I would expect them to know a lot more what that means. All the, the outworkings, implications. And of course, the writer of Hebrews given it pretty good to, to the recipients. He's saying a lot of you people ought to, ought to be able to see this stuff yet. But you, you don't yet. You're still in second you've been stuck in second grade for a decade. Not because you're dumb. He you just don't want to. It's a matter of the will, not the intellect. He's just busy with other things. He doesn't care enough. It hurts a little. <laughs> I mean, in other words, this is it's kind of a rebuke what it, what's leading into this. But then, you know, but what he's getting to now is the encouragement. You never you never offer any if there's ever a rebuke that Needs to happen in the body of Christ. You never just offer the rebuke and walk away. Rebuke is followed by the way forward, the path to correction, to you know, to fulfillment, to to uh, being made whole. You fix it. He's saying, "You, a lot of you people, you're 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 infantilized spiritually. You're stunted. But I'm not just ending my letter here. <laughs> What's wrong with you guys? The end." No, I've got, I've got. There's a way. There's a way forward. So he's saying, "Let us." The main verb of this whole thing. Let us move. Let us, let us keep going. We're going on to something. What is the thing we're going on to? You can also think of it, by the way, as a foundation. That helps too, right? Think of, think of those initial things, the elementary things, as foundational. If you live in a house around here in this part of the country, it probably has a foundation. Not all of them. I mean, some of them have different... You know, some of them are... The old houses would be built on top. Like my grandparents had a little tiny house that had space under it. You know what? Right? Had all that space under it. Stuff lived under there. And we'd dare each other as kids to go under there. Because there was a way to get... I triple dog dare you to go under... because And people were like, I oh, go going under there? So then you find the dumbest cousin you got and you see if you can somehow coax him into it. Go on. Go on, Jimmy. Do it. I'm scared. Come on, Jimmy. It's fine. Jimmy might do it. But... But you, you, know, that house is there's, you know, it's built up there. That, uh, you know, in Tornado Land, uh, I don't necessarily advise that kind of building. They put a stuff on the foundations, or they got the footings, and whatever they pour the foundation. But you know, so it's good. You need the foundation. But how many people would do a building project, pour a beautiful foundation, it's nice and level, solid, got the rebar in, it, it's great, and just stop, and be like, yeah. Hey, Frank, have you seen my foundation? Hey, check out my foundation. And then you just pop, put a couple of lawn chairs out, <laughs> kick back and enjoy the work, the fruit of your... And people drive by. Sweet foundation you got there. Thanks, man. You know, it's like, you, the found, you don't stop. You don't live on that. You need it. It's vital. I mean, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't advise building without it. And that comes from that comes from no less an architect and engineer than the Son of Man, who said he had a few things to say about how you build. Some people might build on sand. Not good. Not good. And and uh, you know you don't have to live in Tornado Land for that to be a, a terrible idea. That's generally a terrible idea. Are there people whose uh, whose faith is sort of built on sand? Sadly, there are a lot of people that don't have much of a foundation. Just. Never got the roots down. Or the roots only go a little little ways down. What happens to your plants and your roots can't go down very far? They don't grow very big, they probably die. They've got to go down. they got to find where the nutrients are. So I'm, I'm mixing analogies here. There's the roots analogy, there's the foundation analogy. They all work. They're, they all say what this text is saying to us. It's saying you've got, you've got a firm foundation. You should have a firm foundation. That's good. But don't just Stop. A foundation was made to be built upon. However many years God is going to give you, get to building, start building, start building on that sure foundation, and and don't switch foundations because that's part of. The, he says we don't lay another one. We don't we don't do, you know we don't uh, bust it up and make our own. That you know thank you Lord for the firm foundation. But you know, you know I got better ideas for what to build my life on. So I'm going to try a different kind of foundation. Foolish. Don't do that. You've got a foundation. We know what it is. Don't try to build on a new one. Don't stop and just stay put. Don't destroy it. Don't get it confused. Don't accidentally start start building your house on your neighbor's foundation. Oops. No, don't build on another one. Build on this one. Sort of like when you're in, in, you know... When we went to school we all started learning the same things the old core curriculum stuff right if you want to be an engineer someday are you gonna need some basic math skills I have think so I don't want you build anything for me if you don't have any, any math skills or if you're just making up the math as you go or if or if you just treat math like whatever you know like in a subjective way like uh, you know, I just let my feelings guide me where the equations and the numbers go. That's what I feel like. Well, that's good for you, but I ain't hiring you to build anything. Right? I don't want my surgeon to just let his feelings lead him. I want I want the skill on the basis of the objective things. I hope this, this better be an expert. So, you're going to need math skills to to be a good builder. They're going to be important for the rest of your life. If you're going to be an engineer, you will There will never be a time when you don't need those basic math skills. You're always going to need them, even though you've moved beyond them to all kinds of complex other things, right? So when you do your, you know, differential calculus and fancy what and all those equations you do, anybody here good at math? You got any people good? A few, some of you are pretty good at math, and some of you stink at it, and that's fine because we're all just made different. So hey, uh, you know, good on you all of you who are math. Wizzes, the world needs you. Um, but you know, I I I, I, tr- I took that stuff when I was a kid. I put my time in. All right, I, I I served my time in calculus class. I tried. I was like, I'm I'm smart. I'm going for it. I take calculus, and it was just nothing but headaches for me. And I just thought, I thought, why why did I do this? Why why did I willingly sign up for torture? It was hard, real hard. And but some people love it. And they're good at it, and I'm glad. I'm glad because I like the bridges I drive across to have been well constructed by people just like that. Uh, So so it's important, the foundational basic math, brilliant engineers will keep using it, but they didn't stop after they learned basic math, did they? Basic math is important and vital, but that bridge wouldn't be there if, if, if they just you don't learn your times tables and say, "I'm ready to build the Empire State Building now." I got my times tables down. What's the big deal? No, you've got you've got to learn more. So a lot of people then, a lot of people come to faith and they remain stunted in like a permanent infancy. Permanent infancy. You ever read about that bizarre condition about some people where they they identify as babies? I know this is weird. This only I don't know if it's even real. Anybody read about that? I read about this condition. Like, people send me things. I don't even always ask for it. But I know people, and they just like to mess with me. So they send me the weirdest stuff. My brother's one of them. I got others. People that I know, known for you. They send me, look at this man. They just want to, they want to either get a ride, they want They want me to make, they want a good joke maybe. I don't know what they want, but they send me weird stuff. Well, there was a story about the, these condition of people who identify as babies. I'm mean, talking about grown people and say that they, they identify as babies. So they... They go home and Joseph Don't laugh, man. They go home and put on diapers and stuff. I'm not kidding you. Please, I'm not kidding you. And one guy was handy enough with wood to construct his own crib. I mean, anyway. So, that's a bizarre picture of something that I think in some churches, some people and they may have been Christians, you know, for the last 25 years, and they may be super intelligent. They may be the president of the bank down the road. They may they may be, you know, like working as a uh, child uh, physician, like important jobs, significant people. They're smart. They But every Sunday they show up and identify as infants. And they say, you know, they, they just go to, it's like, let's do first grade Sunday school again. Noah built the ark. Yay. It's like, yeah, Noah built the ark. Haven't you been a Christian? Shouldn't you be? Shouldn't your theology run a little deeper than that right now? I mean, yeah, Noah built it. It's true. It it didn't get. It didn't become false. But is that kind of you still at that kind of level? You know, we. I don't know why we we do this. There was a. There was a guy in one of my classes one time. I taught classes for long for years. Okay, college classes here and. Off and on, and, and uh, pretty consistently. I have one of the classes I would teach would be world religions. I mean, we learn about different religions of the world. Fascinating topic. I had this guy in a class one time, and we were talking about the things we were going to be doing in that class, and the head and I, and the guy was like, Oh, we're going we're to look at Buddhism. We're going to study Buddhism. Oh, I know about that. I was raised Buddhist. I know about Buddhism. I thought, Okay, well, cool. This guy, interesting. This guy will have something to contribute when we get to that part. So we get to that part. This guy, you know, he he was talking. He had talked about how much he knew about. Hey, he was raised Buddhist, and he knows about it. Well, you know, it turned out this guy really didn't know anything about it. What he meant by raised Buddhist was that his mother, you know, he grew up, you know, without his dad. His mother had had a few long-term relationships, or semi, you know, with, and one of the men who was like a stepdad to him for a few years one of the men had said that he was raised in a Buddhist home like his parents had come from Vietnam originally so this, so what this was was like third hand influence and it's almost like he thought that somehow by osmosis or connection he was an expert because you know, I know a guy who knows a guy who knows a guy Oh, so I'm an expert right he didn't know anything. I <laughs> mean, like people who read the chapter knew more than he did. Some of us, okay, here's here's where this applies. Some of us, I say some, I say some in the larger body. A lot of, and American Christians, I think, because our lives are fairly easy and cushy, and we, it's easy to do this. We are kind of like that guy in that class. Oh yeah, oh yeah, I know all about. It. Oh yeah, I was raised going to church. I mean, I know. Oh yeah, I, I, my mom read the Bible to me a few months. Ago. Oh yeah, I know all about it. They don't know anything about it. They somehow think that a third generational tangential connection to somebody kind of imbues them with some kind of spiritual depth or uh, you know? That's really not how it works. And I'm glad then that at least, you know, the uh, I'm glad when 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 those who are sort of infantilized Christians, they, they're still drinking milk. I'm glad when they have at least the right foundation. That much is good. I think, and that's the encouragement I want to give to people like that. I want to, you know, sort of like this this letter. I don't want to just tear them down, leave them feeling bad. But to offer that, hey, look, there's a different life. God has things for you. Outside this, think outside the crib, my friend. You know? God has a bigger, better, more full, interesting, robust of life for you emotionally spiritually intellectually all that and it's there for you if you just kind of you're stalled on the track and if your foundation is right you're at, that's an advantage because at least your foundation isn't sand you have that going for you but it's just that you're sitting on a foundation it's a good one but that's all you've got there are no walls no contours there's nothing there which means your life is lacking perspective and judgment And you're not sure where you're going. And you're ill-equipped. Disciples like us, we are called to study the whole... This is what Paul called in Acts. The whole counsel of God. The whole counsel. And not only do we have the whole counsel, which is the Word, but we're also in the world. The Word and the world. We are called... You are called... To this time and this place. You know how I know that you were called to this time and this place? Because I'm looking at you and you're sitting here in this time and this place. That's an easy one. I can I can't I wouldn't pretend to tell you a whole lot about the will of God about the Lord expects you. You're gonna you're supposed to get married or not get married, you're supposed to do your your job should be you're supposed to go to this school, you should be living in this community. This is what I don't pretend to know all that stuff. I only, I only, I'll go no further than what I can be pretty sure of, and I can say with some confidence that you are called to here and now, because here we sit. And uh, if God had called you uh, to, uh, if God had called you to the 18th century, that's where you lived, but He didn't. Now, a few of you may be called in the future. To not necessarily hear. That's called missions. And a few people say, "I've been called here to he- to hear up to now, but I but I feel God may be calling me. You know, over there, over there to Azerbaijan. Just to name one of the coolest sounding places, and a troubled place, I might add. And by the way, most places are. Got too many human beings in them." Well, that could happen. So you could be called to another place in the future. But right now, so far, I mean, this this is what you're called to. So we've got to be wise in discerning. We study the whole counsel of God, the word. We, we're, in the, we're in the word, but we're also in the world, and we've got to know that too. Famous German theologian Karl Barth. His name? Famous German theologian Karl Barth famously said this. We must hold well, he was German, so he probably said. We must hold the Bible in one hand and the newspaper in the other. It's the best German I can do right now. We must hold the Bible in one hand. What did he mean by that? Well, the newspaper, of course, was the primary, was the chief and primary uh, medium. Okay, now we have media. <laughs> That's plural. Well, you got print newspapers, no one's reading those anymore, they're all online. And we got a million of that kind of thing, and we got a gajillion blogs, and whatnots, and this, that, and everything, and newsletters, and such, and so on, and Twitter, and everything. And, and th- this is what you're doing when you're when you're working that finger, or that thumb. Finger scroller or thumb scroller? Huh? Which are you? Well, um, when you're working it like that, and you're just like, whee, and it's like headline, 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 opinion, 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 headline, headline, opinion, you're just finding out what's going on. Now, we don't read past headlines often these days, which is kind of a shame. We just read a headline. We formulate our opinions based on headlines alone. You know what kind of power that gives headline writers? Headline writers can shape how you see what's going on in the world by how they craft their headlines. Because you, they know most people today won't read past the headline. They'll read the headline and they'll figure they got a grip on what's going on based on the headline. But headline writers, man, some of them really annoy me because they're not entirely honest. How I, I I don't so nowadays I read some headlines and I and sometimes I think they're just baiting me. I think I see what you're doing. And I bite a lot of times. I think all right. And and it's amazing how many times I read the content and I think, "See now, see now you kind of lied." I read it and that and your headlines kind of deceptive. That's not really what's in once I got down to the actual nuts and bolts and the facts of this thing, your headline your headline was sensationalized because you like getting those clicks and you like to get people's emotions to run high. Well, Bart admit that we are supposed to understand where we are. We were put here. We got. Un- I am not so much responsible to know the mindset, the predominant worldview, the presuppositions, the primary challenges in thinking of believers living in the Czech Republic in the year 1535. It's interesting. If I did learn that, kind of interesting. But I, I mean, I don't really feel a lot of. It. Pressure. that's not vital that I learned that, but guess who it was pretty important for? Christians living in the Czech Republic in the year 1535. They kind of needed to, to know that because that was the world that they were ministering to. It was important that they knew what was going on. So let me just show you a little uh, comparison between the word and the world, okay? The word and the world, the logos and the cosmos. The logos, those are the Greek words. Logos and cosmos. Logos was used in the text we just read when it said, "Let us move beyond the initial elementary teaching." That the first word, the logos. Logos is a very—I mean, it's a—it's a really broad and stretchy term. It's got a lot packed into it. In the beginning was the logos, right? So you now, so it it take you it take you a few hundred pages to to. Uh, to work out all the theological stuff packed into what, what they do with the word logos. But here it can be fairly simple. Here we're, here we're just referring to the revealed word of God. That's what Bart said. Have that in one hand. You should never turn loose of that. That's got to be your, your guide, your true north. And But you're living in the world, the cosmos. That's Every time you see that word world, you're looking at the word cosmos. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? We use the word cosmos in different things. So we think about we think about uh, cosmologists, what do they do? Study the stars and space and all that. What the, 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 the essence of the word cosmos is the structure or the order or the system. The structure or the order or, or the system. So, that can refer to the heavenly order or system. Space, the movement of all the planets and where they sit and how they do their thing and all that. And cosmologists study that. The celestial order. What about what about cosmetology or cosmetics? Hmm. The structure or the order of your face. (laughs) Let me quite literally. You know, it's like um, in some some. There's an old-fashioned thing some women used to say. Hang on, I gotta put my face on. (laughs) You know, whatever. It's sort of like there's an the idea of uh, the idea of sort of having you know having the face that whatever's supposed to be the perfect looking face, which, you know, they try to they try to put all the perfect faces on all the covers the man, you know and, and, and uh, however there's the symmetry I don't what makes people fa- some faces not I don't know what it is something organic, but people study this. Well the eyes are this far apart and what it's like. I don't know, but there's a cosmo in there, right? There's a structure and order or something. But you see, and, and we see it in words like, the, like cosmopolitan, the order or structure of the polis, the city-state. What does Paul mean on the other writers whenever that? And Paul uses it all the time? What do they mean when they say the world? Almost all the time in your New Testament, when you see that, the world, the cosmos, it's talking about the structure or order of human thought and arrangement the primary dominant way of thinking the dominant ideas the primary dominant values the the things that your culture kind of presupposes the things they think matter most all the things that they all kind of together have agreed this is what we now think matters and is important this is how we see things that is what he means the system of the world so the word is inspired by God the world was created by God this world is corrupted it's a fallen place the word of God is uncorrupted. It has not been corrupted. It has been passed down. It is unchanging. It has been kept and preserved. We, we can demonstrate this. We've got ancient manuscripts. We have found them. They go date back to the first and second century. And they are well kept. But this world, it's all messed up. I don't have to belabor that point, do I? That That's an easy one. All right, that's the ultimate. Everyone can aim in that with great ease. Yeah, world's messed up. It's it is not right. It is di- it is a disordered order. All right, it is very uncosmetic. It's all messed up. It is temporal. It will not last. It ever changes. The word is unchanging. That's the beauty of it. That's so. So when I mentioned the people in wherever Czech Republic, fifteen thirty-five, is that what I said? Guess what they read? Same word. Same word you read. You think that people today might sometimes be looking for something more stable. You see a lot of stress in the world today because, frankly, news cycles are fast. Social media has done a lot of damage to the psyche of people. It's done a lot of damage. do a lot of stress and depression and all this. I think a lot of people are looking for what uh, G.K. Chesterton called the surety of permanent things. Where is there any found? I'm like, you know, they're they're walking through sand and muck and all that. They'd like to find some place to put their feet solid. You know, we have something unchanging. We have something that lasts through time. All this garbage will it'll come and go. You're right. Everyone's grandkids and great-grandkids will look back like people today and they'll say, I can't believe that back then they were all consumed with this. I can't believe that back then all everyone talked about was this. I can't believe that back then this is the way everyone thought. Everyone was all upset about this. Or everyone, this will all be old news. Just like that. But the Word of God, it stands forever. It's unchanging. It imparts truth. It is not under the control of the enemy. Evil evil cannot pierce it and conquer the the eternal word. But evil has its way in this world. I mean, evil is just putting us through the ringer. Look around. People are just taking a beating because they're just too foolish to understand that they're getting worked over. They're getting worked over. The enemy is just having a field day in the lives of people. The first one of these was meant to be taken and spread into the next. The first one of these... We who take that word, we understand that we're in a unique world right now. Bart, but if Bart had his newspaper in one of his hands, it didn't read like ours, did it? It's a different world that he lived in, that we live in. See, true literacy is across the board. You've got to learn to, you you must learn to read and understand the word of God. And you must learn to read and understand the world. You've got to read and understand the world. That sounds weird to say, but you've got to be literate in the world too. Read your world. Understand. Jesus said one time, you know, you guys read the weather, and you get a good idea it's going to rain, but you can't see you can't see the signs of the times. And a lot of believers, we don't know we're we're caught off guard by what's happening in the world. We can't address it. We can't stand up to it. Read the word and read the world. So I always love this. Uh, this uh, verse from 1 Chronicles 12, it sounds obscure and it's really weird, but I just love this description. I'll show it to you. I've done it before. So in 1 Chronicles 12, it's listing the men of David. Um, it's talking about the David's mighty men. Now these are the men who came to David at Ziklag. Anybody in the house from Ziklag? Huh? <laughs> <All> right, yeah. <laughs> Ziklag. Uh, it says the men from Ziklag. While he could not move about freely because of Saul, son of Kish, these are the mighty men, and he goes through listing all the mighty men. And uh, when Jacob wakes up back there, he'll show it to you in a second. He's back there drinking those communion cups. You better not be. And uh, so here's for, here's when it gets to these guys, and this, it's describing the different mighty the, the different tribe. So one of the tribes of of, uh, of Israel, lesser known. Benjamin, the tribe you know well. you know Levi, you know well. Judah. But how about Issachar? Verse 32, it says, And the sons of Issachar, men who understood the times, to know what Israel should do, 200 chiefs and all their kinsmen under their command. According to the Jewish Talmud, uh, people from this tribe were always thought to be among the wisest members of the Sanhedrin. You know, the great uh, Judge Deborah, and the judges, she was from this tribe, as it so happens. So, see, the word we study is the very same that all the saints before us have studied. All the saints that went before us, they all studied it. And all those Christians in the other nations today, when we when we read about, when we hear about, we get together, we pray about our brother then in Sudan, that we've been really trying to pray about what can we do to help them in Sudan they got a big school they got they've got a, they've got a lot of potential for all the influence they could have what will be their guiding what will be their main curriculum what will be the foundation that that's built on the same one that we're built on it's the word it'll be translated they won't they're not going to be reading the NIV or ESV i i presume <laughs> but who but so what it's the, the truth of it will stand forth it will guide their lives they can put their feet on it and stand strong Against whatever they're up against, and I suspect they're up against more than what we're up against. You think we're up against some people saying some mean things to us once in a while on the internet? To which I'm sure they say, "Boo to the who!" <laughs> Come on now. They're they're up against they're, you know, things are things are not always the same. But can they survive it? Can they last? Yeah, they got a solid foundation, just like we have. Our world is different from theirs. Our context is different. We, we study the Word. It's unique to us. Our subject is the same. It's the Word and it's the world. You are to be in both of them, but of only one of them. Right? You are to be in... This is the unifying factor of the church. We, we, we read the creed earlier. And it says one holy church. It says one Catholic church. It didn't mean, it didn't mean that institution in Rome. It was a small c. It just means the whole thing. We're here. We're here in one building, but the church—if we had the eyes to see it—you'd see them numbered. I don't even know what they'd be numbered. <laughs> Only God knows their number, because a bunch of them are underground, off the books. But they're everywhere. They're all around the world, and this is the unifying factor. Like that Psalm, Psalm 133, that Joseph read. It is—it is the ultimate th- good. It's how beautiful it is to see. The brothers and sisters dwell in unity, and what is our unifying factor? It's we're unified in the Word. You know, the world wants to sell unity on all kind of bases. Everybody hawking a product will try to pitch it as unity. You know, it's like they come up with a jingle: "This will unify us all." Like, remember, uh, where I, I have some of you are old enough to remember? I'd like to teach the world to sing in perfect harmony. Oh, that sounds wonderful. I'd like to buy the world... A- what? A Coke? Oh, really? So your sugar water is going to unite us all? We're all united under the banner of a carbonated beverage? Wow. Sounds like a real rallying cry to me. See, unity is only going to be as good as what it is based on and what it is rooted in. And pardon me, but man, Coke ain't going to get the job done. That's a gimmick to that's a gimmick to sell to us. They're Unity, brother! Yeah, unity, that, you know, while well, you're making a billion dollars on our, I mean, don't get me started. But, yeah, everyone might sell or pitch unity. It's But what is it based on? It can be based on all kinds of nonsensical things. I knew this guy in Utah. He drove a car. It wasn't even a cool car. I don't know why he was so into this car. It was something like a neon. Is that a car? Something like that. Dodge neon? Is that right? He had this Dodge neon, I think it was, and he was like, yeah, I'm really into my Dodge. There's an online community. And once a year in the summer, we sometimes meet somewhere. And I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're finding unity with others on the basis that you're Dodge Neon drivers? It's not even a cool car. It's not even like a Camaro or something. It's in Dodge Neon, and you're coming together with other Neon drivers? That's the basis for your unity? Okay. That ain't no basis for unity. We have the true basis for unity. The world's looking for it. They're, they're, try, they're, they're trying to step on something firm. Nothing is firm. They keep stepping on sand or they keep stepping in cow manure. I'm sorry, pardon me. But that's what the that's what's out there. And uh, or landmines and they're getting blown up. We have a foundation. We will be in the word. I pray to God we will continue in the word. And we will be in this world. We're not going to go build a hermit. We're not going to go up to the mountains and retreat. We'll be in the world. But we will be of only one of those two. Amen.